Hey, and welcome to Free Willing with Cardin Podcast. I'm your host, Cardin Wyckoff, wheelchair warrior and disability advocate. On this podcast, we share disability stories, talk about adaptive equipment, interview disability-owned businesses, and talk about inclusive disability principles to create a network of allies for the disability community. Today, I have Zach Finster, who is 28 from Atlanta, Georgia. We grew up in the same community and went to high school and college together at the University of Georgia. He is currently pursuing an MBA part-time at Emory University. In his free time, he enjoys playing tennis, basketball, working out, playing the drums, and the ukulele. Zach was diagnosed with Marfan syndrome at 15 years old. Marfan syndrome is a degenerative disease that affects the connective tissue, which are the fibers that support and anchor your organs and other structures of your body. It most commonly affects the heart, the eyes, the blood vessels, and the skeleton. Common signs are long arms, legs, and fingers with a tall, thin frame. I look forward to talking with Zach because while we were growing up, I had no idea that he had Marfan syndrome. And you just never know with people in your community and growing up, you just, not everyone is as open. And I think it's important to remember that and to just always be kind to people and one another because a lot of times people are living with invisible disabilities and they are made fun of and they don't feel comfortable sharing their story. And it's really great to see Zach coming on and sharing his story publicly for one of the first times. So look forward to talking with him about that. Also, if you haven't downloaded the app, I Access Life, it is a mobile app found on Google Play and iTunes App Store. And it allows you to rate places on accessibility in the built environment. So go ahead and download that app. Use the referral code CARDEN, which is my name, C-A-R-D-E-N, when signing up. If you enjoyed this episode or other episodes on this podcast, please share it with a friend and also rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast we put on episodes every Sunday. All right, let's kick it off with the episode, talking with Zach Finster. Hey, Zach. Thanks for being on the podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk to you today because you and I have known each other since, what, middle school, I feel like, and we've been in each other's network, and I had no idea when you told me, you know, you DM'd me and we're like, Cardin, what a great podcast. You know, I'd love to come on it and talk about my own condition, and that's Marfan syndrome. And no, I had no idea. That's the thing with Invisible Disabilities, and it is Invisible Disabilities Week this week from October 18th to the 22nd. And I think it's, what, 70 or 80% of people with disabilities, they are invisible. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about Marfan syndrome and growing up and what that's like and how it affects you today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. I feel like with me having Marfan syndrome, you know, not many people in my life really know that I have it. And it's not something that, you know, I was trying to hide or anything like that. I think it's just something that really never came up. I think growing up, 
I was maybe a little bit embarrassed, you know, that I had it just because there was a lot of, you know, like physical, from like a physical image standpoint, I had a lot of insecurities with it. People with Marfans tend to be very tall and, and slender. So I definitely grew a lot faster than most people growing up because of it. I was a lot more thin <laughs> than most people. And, you know, growing up, you have bullies and, and kids really don't understand why you might look the way that you look. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Marfan syndrome in general is a connective tissue disorder that, you know, affects connective tissues throughout your body. So it affects your organs, uh, affects your limbs. And the most dangerous thing about Marfan's is the aortic root. If it gets too large, it can rupture and that could be potentially deadly. So that's the most, uh, probably the scariest part about Marfan's from a health standpoint. But yeah, I mean, other than that, it affects your lungs where you might have trouble breathing and it affects your limbs where, you know, your arms are disproportionately longer than your, your body. Your, your, your legs are also usually a little bit disproportionately longer compared to your torso. You might have something which is called pectus carnatum, where your breastbone on your chest protrudes out, or you might have something called pectus excavatum, where your, your chest kind of like sinks in, where it, it goes in. And that's more of just a cosmetic concern. And I don't know if you want me to go into like the science behind it. <laughs> Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to learn about it. I was a bio major. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I think we had. had <laughs> so I find it interesting. Didn't we have, uh, we had biology together maybe with, with Maggie, mm-hmm. Maggie, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Great class. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been a long uh, time since I've taken biology, but. I know. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I know it's caused by uh, this transforming growth factor, and I'm going to try to do my best without having to look up anything right now, called TGF. And when that transforming, uh, transforming growth factor, you know, grows, it, you know, too fast, it can cause your aortic root to enlarge. And the fibrillin 1 gene is the, the mutation that, Marfan's is caused by. So it's a mutation on the fibrillin 1 gene. I think for me, I, I have, I think it was a mutation on, there's many, I guess, you know, different codes or gene sequences on the fibrillin 1. But yeah, that, that's the main uh, mutation is caused by the fibrillin 1 gene where there's some kind of coding error. Yeah. And that usually happens it, for you. Do you know, was it genetic? Was it spontaneous? Great question. Yeah. That, that's why I need your help to ask me the right questions. Yeah. So for me, it was spontaneous mutation. So no one in my family had it. My father, mother, no one that they knew of had it. So it is a lot more rare for Marfans to be a spontaneous mutation. I think 25% of the time it's a spontaneous mutation. Mm-hmm. So it is definitely a lot a lot more rare for that to happen. Yeah, that's similar to the type of muscular dystrophy that I have. It's 10% is a spontaneous mutation and I fall in that 10%. So we've all been genetically tested in my family, no one's a carrier, no one no one has it. And so it, it yeah, just spontaneous things happen in utero and it happens 
Uh, there's a lot that's happening when you're growing and developing inside of mama. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, yeah, just it's open to a, a number of errors and things. But so you were talking about the aortic root. Yes. And so just to clarify that, that is the aortic artery. So Correct. That is connected directly to the heart. So I just want to kind of give some more clarity to our listeners who may not remember Bio 101 from eighth grade and ninth grade. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so you're talking about that. You're, you were saying how it could potentially enlarge and rupture. So the aorta is the largest artery in, in the body. And so I, I assume that potentially could be deadly. Yeah. So is there anything that makes that worse or better? Is that just kind of part of Marfan's? Yeah, so great question. I'm glad you clarified what the aortic root was because I I didn't really do that good of a description of it. But yeah, so with the aortic root with Marfan's, not everyone with Marfan's will have an enlarged aortic root. It is a common uh, characteristic to have. So I would say more often than not, People that do have Marfan's will have an enlarged aortic root. And when it gets to a certain size, the aortic root gets to a dangerous size, they want to do surgery because it has a high chance of rupturing. So right now, my aortic root, personally for me, is at a size that is not at a level where surgery is recommended. So I'm, you know, I've been very lucky for the last 15 years and I currently take medication called uh, Lasardin. It's actually a common blood pressure medicine that has been around for a while. There's a doctor actually named Dr. Hal Dietz. He's around, he's from Baltimore. And he did a study with, with mice maybe, I don't know, five, six years ago at this point, where he basically tested this medicine with them and came up with that the aortic root stabilizes or shrinks when they take this medicine. So that was kind of like a breakthrough in the Marfan society. So long story short, I've been on this medicine for the last, I don't know, 15 years and my aortic root has not grown at all. So I've been very lucky and fortunate that it's been stable That's great. and has not been a danger for me. And I, I get a, um, a, an echo every year to check the size of it. Sometimes I'll have to get an MRI or CAT scan because it's a more accurate depiction of the aortic root, but an echo is usually good enough for my circumstance. Got it. And an echocardiogram is a very easy test to do. It's non-invasive. It, I've had one before. It takes, you know, 15 minutes and you're in and out. And I think it's more just the inconvenience, right, of having to go and do that. How often do you get that checked annually or is it quarterly? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's really not. It's not a bad thing at all. They kind of just rub gel on my my chest, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, just it's just a little bit cool and tickles. <laughs> so not bad. I do it once a year when I you know first got diagnosed when I was 15 years old. I was doing it every three months just because it was growing at a rapid pace, and they were very worried about me, especially because I just got diagnosed mm-hmm. with it, and they thought that it could get to a size that was dangerous. Uh, if it didn't slow down. But now I just get it once a year. And for the last 15 years or so, it's been stable. And that's I've great. Been very fortunate. 
Yeah, that's really awesome. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear that for you. And Thank you. with, um, yeah, and I do, I genuinely mean that. I mean, I, I wouldn't wish bad on anyone. And so, especially, it sounds like it's kind of, it's a progressive disease, right? So the connective tissue, does it, over time, does it deteriorate? You know, what, what does that look like over time? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's a great question. It's kind of difficult, difficult for me to answer. Um, mm-hmm. It is a kind of a progressive disease where, you know, your connective tissue will get weaker over time, especially with the aortic root, which is the most dangerous. I think there's still a lot about Marfan's that's unknown. It seems like in my case, a lot of the progressive part of the uh, of Marfan's where, you know, my aortic root grew and I maybe I grew uh, I grew fast in height and my arms grew long, <laughs> if that makes sense. And it all happened yeah. kind of a lot during puberty, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's kind of slowed down ever since then. Things have been, it seems like, pretty stable. If that answers your question, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Try my best. No, that's awesome. That's good to hear that. And I think it, so- can, I think it can get worse for people as they get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like, for me, it's, it's either slowed down or hasn't affected me, you know, in the last 15 years. Sure. And, you know, you only know what you know. And it's what you were saying. It sounds like there's a lot of unknowns. So just kind of hoping and monitoring it, make sure that it stays stable and isn't progressively getting worse. Yeah. Definitely. So let's kind of like jump into, so growing up, you know, what, what was that like? And being in high school, obviously you're growing a lot. I always thought you were just a very tall person, <laughs> like tall and lanky. Yeah. But yeah. like I was like, oh, you know, that's Zach Finster. Like that's just who he is, right? He's a very tall, thin dude. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, talk to me about what that was like. Yeah, no, I mean, I think like when I was, I don't know, in third grade, I was already like five three. I think it's pretty tall for a nine-year-old. <laughs> um, so I, I remember I definitely... No doubt. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> doubt. I, I, I definitely was one of the, the tallest kids at our school, if not the tallest. Maybe there, were, there was one other so that had me beat. But yeah, I was definitely the tallest for a while and up until maybe I got to like high school, uh, ninth, 10th grade. And even then, I was still pretty tall and very thin, as you mentioned. Very thin you know, legs, very thin arms. And I, you know, definitely... Got teased a bunch throughout school, and it was it was definitely tough on me mentally. I don't think a lot of my friends realized that just because it was uh, they didn't realize what I had, or and I didn't tell anyone. So I guess mentally and psychologically, it was tough just with my physical appearance, you know, and just because it, it's you know, Marfans is something in, in appearance that people aren't used to to looking at. Um, just a very tall, thin structure, you know, and there's obviously other conditions that people have where it's a kind of similar scenario where maybe like physically they look a little bit different. But yeah, I guess that was probably the hardest part about it as far as growing up and being a kid, just, you know, looking a little bit different and uh, maybe just look a little awkward looking or whatnot. If you were to redo it over, would you... Talk to people about Marfins. Ooh, great question. You, you have a lot of good questions. 
Um, Thanks. <laughs> if I had to do it over, I think so. I think when, you know, when I was a kid, I was embarrassed or, you know, growing up, I was definitely embarrassed that I had it. Um, and I think that was just a lack of maturity. I think ever since maybe I hit the age of, like probably after high school, I started realizing that I was actually proud of what I had and realizing that everything that I can do with bar fans was an, uh, an accomplishment. And I actually, believe it or not, started to, uh, I liked to, I was proud to say that I had more fans and, and I liked it. And I started becoming more involved in the uh, Mar fan community, mm. you know, just because a lot of people with Mar fans aren't able to play sports and do a lot of the things that I'm, that I do currently. And I think mm -hmm. that I put myself uh, in that position with a lot of hard work and, um, and obviously helping my parents and family and, uh, and doctors, of course, and, and luck. But I did put a lot of hard work in to be able to, you know, participate in sports and, and do a lot of things that people with Mar fans typically are not able, able or capable of doing. Yeah, I know you're super competitive in tennis when we play when you played at Wheeler. Yeah, yeah, I love tennis. <laughs> and you still play today, right? Yeah, yeah. I still I, I still play tennis all the time. I'm in a league. When I went to University of Georgia, nice. I, I played on the club team. So I don't know. I mean, to me, that's something that just, it means a lot to me that I'm able to, to be competitive and play sports like that. Just because when I was 15, I remember they gave me the news that I would never be able to play sports again. You know, I was a huge tennis player. I had dreams of playing college tennis and all that. And they told me that I, I basically had to give up all kind of, sports, anything athletic, and it really hit me hard. So I think the fact that I still am able to do all that today, it, it, it means a lot to me. Yeah. That's such a sad tragedy story that you get from doctors. And this is a common thing that I hear from other guests. And I got it myself when I was 10 years old. I was told, you know, you're going to be in a wheelchair. You're never going to be able to do certain things for the rest of your life. And it's going to be the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So give it all up, say goodbye. And, you know, that's going to be your life. And it's like, yeah. well, what? <laughs> How do you feel about that kind of uh, just being told that? You obviously were like, well, I mean, what was the position that you took? Obviously, it was very sad and tragic to hear that, but look at you, like you're playing sports, you're living your life. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. Obviously you, you can relate uh, to that completely. Um, you know, I, I've seen so many videos of you and, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of content of what you've accomplished on social media, whatnot. And it's, it's amazing. So, uh, thank you. <laughs> no, seriously. So props to you on that, that you're living your life to the fullest. Thanks. But yeah, I guess, now I, now I got sidetracked with the question. <laughs> um, you, you just asked what, what it was like hearing that news and how I like kind of handled it. Was that the, the question? Yeah. And, and you know, what, obviously your life is the opposite now. Yeah. So yeah, again, like hearing that news uh, when I was 15 years old, uh, when I went into the doctor's office and they said, Zach, you know, you have this, this condition called Marfan syndrome. 
you know, uh, if your aortic root grows at the pace that it's growing now, you're going to have to stop playing sports altogether. You're not going to be able to even like, they, I think they even told me like, I would never be able to like, uh, I might be in a wheelchair. They, they, they said it was, it could be, it could get pretty bad. So yeah, I guess being a huge athlete, all, all, hearing a lot of this stuff was, was shocking to me and kind of caught me off guard. I think that was the, looking back on it was the part that really was the most devastating for me that it just caught me off of guard because I had no idea I'd, I had more fans. Like I mentioned, no one in my family had it. It was a spontaneous thing. So I think just the sudden sheer impact of hearing the news and how my life was going to change really affected me. And I took it upon myself, you know, with the help of my family and doctors to, to not make that my life and to make the life that I wanted my life to be. So it was a huge motivation for me in my life and it actually inspired me a lot, I think, to be the, the person that I am today. And it really helped build my character. So I think I took it as a, a positive and I still take it as a positive till today. And I mean that. I love hearing that because it's so true for everyone that, I again, I just, I think back of all the guests that I think about and if you were to ask them, would you redo your life over again if you didn't have X disability? You know, whatever it was, whatever condition, whatever hardship that you've gone through. And every person says no, because it has shaped them to who they are today, which is amazing, right? Because it's you're given something very unique and very, very rare. And it's it's how, okay, those are the cars that you're dealt with, so what are you going to do with it? And... It's really cool to see how people, just the life that they choose. People always just take what they have and, you know, have lemons and make lemonade, right? Is that what Beyonce says? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Thinking about and and reading the stories and and reading all of what Google has to tell you about Mar fans and seeing other people, and this sounds like you're very connected in the society or, or have been involved with it. Have you started to prepare your life or for those, for what can happen? Or are you just kind of taking it day by day? How am I like preparing my life for what could happen with Marfans? Is that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, with what I have, you know, everything's been looking good for the last 15 years or so. I mean, obviously that could change and I want to not, I, I wouldn't want to take any unnecessary risks where I put myself in a position that could potentially, you know, harm my health one day. What I do on a day-to-day basis could be, I guess, considered on the edge of what I'm really supposed to be doing. But <laughs> um, no, I'm being honest. Like I have, you know, my doctor, because I've been, um, my aortic root has been stable for so long. Um, she allows me to, you know, you know, lift weights, play certain sports. And some of it is probably a, a gray area, but, you know, I, I, I do it because I love it. And I still try to be as careful as I can be. I know going forward with Marfans, I just got to keep getting an echo and making sure that the aortic root is okay. That's the most important part. Taking care of my body, making sure my joints, are, are okay by stretching and, you know, doing simple, you know, day-to-day things like that. And just, you know, constantly reading up on the latest Marfan research, 
there's any new medicine that might be out, talking to people in the marketing community if they have any advice, giving advice to others as well, obviously, because it's a community effort. I think all those will be helpful resources, you know, going forward with Marfans. I love being involved in the FSCHD Society for the type of muscular dystrophy that I have. It sounds like you're really connected as well in the Marfan community. Can you tell me at what point did you decide to join it, and when did you kind of like make that ment- that mindset shift from, okay, I-, I feel sad and I'm isolated. I'm the only one in my community that has this too. I want to talk to people about it. Yeah, uh, another excellent question. So I think it was my junior year of college when I was at the University of Georgia when I decided I want to become involved with the Marfan community. I'm honestly trying to remember the exact moment that triggered it. I think what it was, was that I saw, I think I read a news article somewhere that there was like a Marfan walk that was in Atlanta, Georgia. And I saw that there was a lot of people participating in it that had Marfans or maybe family members of people that, that had Marfans. And I don't know. I just wanted to take more of initiative to be a part of a community with others that have what I have, because like, you know, like I mentioned, I, I was proud of, you know, all, you know, everything that I had accomplished with it. And I wanted to, I think, help others with Marfans accomplish maybe what I have accomplished as far as being able to, you know, live their life, play sports or obviously whatever they're as long as their doctor approves it. But I don't know. I, I feel like I could maybe be a role model for other people in Mar fans who might be discouraged, especially kids, because I had a, a tough time growing up with Mar fans as a kid. So if I could give them advice of how they could, you know, cope with maybe other kids that make fun of them or how they could cope with, you know, any questions they have as far as you know, things they're not used to that have come along with Marfans. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be their mentor. So anyways, yeah. So I went to the, my first uh, Marfan walk in Atlanta. I did that and I met a, a girl there who had Marfan syndrome. She was around the same age as me, maybe a few years younger. And that was the first per, uh, person I'd ever met in my life that also had Marfan syndrome. So mm-hmm. that was a really awesome experience to meet someone else with the same condition as me and listening to her stories about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember we had, we had lunch after the, the walk and we're still really good friends till today. We still keep up. And I also, I got involved with a, a kid that is 10 years old that has Marfans and we talk on the phone, try to talk to him once a week. And, you know, he'll ask me some questions about it, but for the most part, we just talk like we're friends and, I think it's comforting for for him and for me knowing that, uh, you know, we both have it and, you know, we're there for each other and, you know, life goes on. There's there's a lot to life past past having Marfan syndrome. So, yeah. (laughs) And that's so true. There is. There's way more to life than just the condition that you have, just the disability that you have, whatever you want to label it. Right. So I I like how you share your expertise and just share that time with others who have the condition because the community aspect to it has helped me so much. And I can only imagine how much it's helped you just feel seen and heard and 
to not feel alone is important. So I don't Absolutely. know about you, but I would highly encourage anyone with any type of condition, you know, Google, it, it, I'm, there's probably a community in your own backyard that you didn't even know about. Or if not, start your own just to get connected and involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whatever it is, I think uh, relating to people joining or starting a community for a cause of, you know, whatever it might be, always connects people and for the better. And it makes people feel like they're like more a part of something, like in a a comfortable place. Right. Sorry for the noise again. (laughs) All good. All good. So you graduated college and and then you got into the workforce. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, kind of migrating into that. And did you ever disclose Marvin's to your employer? Do you feel, if you haven't, do you feel hesitant to doing that? What, what is your take on that? Yeah, so... Unfortunately, I don't think I can provide much in this topic just because my uh, work situation is unique where I went into my family business. It was my father's business. Um, it was around for 50 years. So um, I oh, never, okay. yeah, yeah. So I never like worked for like a corporate company or, you know, I was in a situation in the workforce where I, where I had to deal with that um, mm-hmm. because I was lucky enough to go into my family's business. So I can't add too much on that experience. I wouldn't want to say something that I didn't really experience. So yeah, I no was worries. very lucky in that situation. That I have to deal with that. Got it, got it. Yeah, I know some people are hesitant to disclosing their disability at work and just didn't know if that was something. But I do know that and if you want question. to talk about it, <laughs> and I know that you were telling me a little bit about a disability-owned business that you were trying to get off the ground. And if you want to share some light on what that is and why you wanted to start it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that is still very recent for me. And, you know, I still need to spend more time on it. I, I'm heavily involved with my own family business. So that takes up a lot of okay. my time. But I wanted to... Since I heard I already had the experience with my family business selling, you know, textiles, I wanted to create my own business of my own where we're selling textile related items, but to different industries. And I wanted to hire uh, you know people with disabilities if I could. So that was kind of like the the main, I guess, reason behind it. So that's something that's still like very much in the works. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to like dedicate that much time to it yet. But in the future, I definitely would like to, you know, grow that that company and have people that work for me that have disabilities that can still add value to the company. And I think that would just be a, a great cause. I I wish I had more to add to it. I just it's still kind of something new. Yeah. No, I, I love how the vision behind it is to empower and employ people with disabilities. And I mean, talk to, about, talk to me about what you envision for it. Would you want to hire only people with disabilities or would you want to make it a certain percentage? I think I would want to make it a certain percentage. I don't think necessarily every uh, single employee at the company would would uh, need to have a disability, but I would want it to. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to make it a majority for sure. And cool. you know, if I can give jobs to people 
you know, who have disabilities that are obviously more than qualified because there's tons out there. I think that that would be a great cause and, you know, any kind of disability. Um, I'm obviously most familiar with Marfans, but tons of disabilities out there and I would love to learn more about them and anyone that mm-hmm. is more than capable, I, I would love to hire them. Yeah, that's so great how you kind of want to just, you have this idea of, of what a future looks like for empowering people with disabilities. And I don't know if you know this, but it is the 75th anniversary of the National Disability Employment Awareness Month. It's in October in 75 years, which is amazing. So, yeah, it is amazing. Um, really huge. And it's also the 30th. It's also the 30th anniversary for the Americans with Disabilities Act. So huge progress and momentum for people with disabilities. So you starting that business would only just help to continue to elevate people. Is there anything else that you want to share about, you know, thinking about your day-to-day, if there's anything that you think more of, like for and to kind of like give you a frame of reference or like, at the time when I was kind of in high school and transitioning into college, walking was becoming more challenging. So I was thinking all the time about, you know, my steps and the environment that I was in and my balance and stuff. So I just don't know with Marfans if that's something similar, like not specific to like balance, but if there's anything else that you're like always thinking of kind of in the back of your mind other than the aortic um, your aorta enlarging and whether or not you have to take it easy on certain things or or not. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, maybe some gaps of uh, what I missed about Marfan's. The the eyes is one thing that it also affects. So you have like, you know, connective mm-hmm. issues all throughout your body. So with Marfan's, you can have what's called dislocated lens. And I have it slightly. It's nothing where it's uh, bad enough where it's affected me, but I know if you if your lens dislocate altogether, that's not mm-hmm. a good thing. <laughs> so that's like one sure. thing to be cautious of with Marfans. And I get I get that checked at the eye doctor every year, and everything's been good with that. As far as I know, you know, if you have Marfans, it affects your lungs, so you might have difficulty, you know, breathing. And I, I do have some difficulty breathing when I play sports sometimes. So when I play tennis, when I play basketball, I, I get a little bit out of breath quicker than most people mm-hmm. I'm playing with. And that's kind of something I just had to deal with and overcome because it is, you know, it is what it is. I have a little more yeah. difficulty breathing, but look, I'm still able to go out there and play and at a safe level. So just something I had to deal with. What else I would say? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think just your, your kind of, your bones are weaker in general. So you kind of have to be careful with like contact sports or any, any uh, time you maybe you have contact with something that's a strong force or whatnot, because you'll feel it a little bit more. Is your your thins are, are are weaker a little bit? It's just you kind of think of Marfans as you're kind of like a weak house. You know, your connective tissue is throughout your body, so it's just weaker because you have that uh, deficiency in the fibrillin one protein. 
So mm-hmm. you're, you know, I don't know if you've seen me, Lily. I, I look kind of maybe muscular, but that's just because of, uh, you know, all the, the working out I've done throughout my whole life. But my structure of my body is definitely weaker compared to most people because of Marfan. So you just kind of have to be careful with, I guess, your body and, and stuff like that. I think, I think that's most of, I think I hit most of the points of, you know, how Marfan's can affect you though. This has been super enlightening. I've learned a lot about Marfan's and just in general, things to be, things to think about going forward. But also you, it sounds like you're in an early, well, whether or not it's an, we are considering an early stage, but I think you're in a stable stage where, you know, you're healthy to a degree, you're, you're playing competitive sports, which a lot of people, Marvin's are not. And yeah, you're just living your life to the max and that's all that you can do and just monitoring it on the day to day. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm very blessed and very lucky to be in the position I'm at because I know, you know, Marfan's people that have Marfan's generally are not able to do a lot of those things. So at the same time, I, I got to monitor, monitor the level of risk that I do with certain things. But mm-hmm. other than that, you know, just be careful and be fortunate. Awesome. Well, thanks, Zach. Is there anything else that you want to share? Uh, I mean, as far as talking about myself, I think uh, I think I talked a lot about myself, and you asked some great <laughs> questions. Thanks. And you know, I, I think talking to you on this podcast made me realize that you know there, there's definitely people uh, out there with disabilities that sometimes you don't acknowledge or realize. Mm-hmm. And when you know, looking back to like when we were in high school, for instance, I wish I had you know maybe asked you maybe more questions or was more, you know, curious to, you know, what was going on with you, but it, it's quite remarkable to see that, you know, you're living your life to the fullest and you're making the most out of your situation. I think that's incredible. And I really mean that. And thank <laughs> it, you. Yeah. It's been an honor, you know, talking to you on this podcast and I really appreciate you inviting me. You're welcome. And thank you so much for your time and just sharing your story and how it's affected you and where you're at and where you're going. So, and, uh, the car is seeing us out. Yeah. That, that was the, I was going to say that was, that was the last beat. That was the, the that was the cue. That was a, that's a great ending though. Great ending. <laughs> what wouldn't be in New York without a, a beeping car. So true. So true. All right. Well, stay safe out there and, uh, take care of yourself. We'll chat soon. Okay. Thanks so much, Carden. Thanks. Thank you, friends, for listening. Please rate and follow this podcast or text Carden at 470-588-1215 with comments and suggestions. Tune in next week for another disability topic.